0: At First Norfolk on Volvo, First Norfolk on Kissville, we gather together to celebrate the great grace of God in sending Jesus to pay the price for our sin, uh, to die on a cross in our place, to be raised from the dead so that we might not only be forgiven our sin through faith in Him, but we might have new life here and for eternity uh, because of Jesus. And He doesn't stop there. He pours his spirit within us so that we live in immediate intimacy with the living God. All this is what God has done for us in the person of Jesus Christ. So right now, First Norfolk on Kempsville, First Norfolk on Volvo, let's celebrate (laughs) God's great grace brought to us. What a mighty God. What a loving Father. What a wonderful Savior. Um, We are here, and it's part of our DNA as a church. We've been looking at DNA at what makes First Norfolk who we are. We've, we've looked at our vision and our mission and our purpose. We've looked at our core values. Uh, then we started looking at what are the measurements? What, uh, how do we know that we as a church are, are walking the path, walking that, the, going down that di- in that direction uh, that uh, God has led us to walk? And so we started looking at ways to uh, uh, categorize what we're expecting uh, from individual members and as a church called First Norman. So we, call, we, we organize it around three phrases that are familiar to many of us. It's love God, love others, live the mission. And the measurements that go along with love God, uh, part of loving God, our love list, God's love list, it says, here's what I want you to do, Eric, to show me love. Uh, that love list includes, it's not all of it, but it includes to worship weekly, To pray daily, uh, to give faithfully, to live biblically, and to grow to become more like Jesus. So those are five things on on God's love list, all right? And and those are things that we're looking for in me. You want to see if I'm showing love to God as part of First Norfolk, you look at those five things, and same thing with you. And then we looked last week at loving others, and what are the measures of, of loving others? It was make neighbors friends through invitation, uh, make friends family through conversation, and then finally make family stronger through service. And that's, that's loving others. Today we come to the final grouping of measurement, and that's live the mission. And as we look at live the mission, uh, we're looking at the DNA that Jesus has planted in us, the DNA Creates a pattern of life. Y'all know this. It, if I have a DNA uh, uh, for male pattern baldness, this is the pattern that it takes, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? My DNA code, I, this is part of my DNA. And, and that, so that, it, it creates a pattern. Some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Others of you, you have a full head of hair. It's not too distressing. Anyway, so, uh, but DNA sets the pattern, okay? Um, uh, why, do, why do geese fly south for the winter? Well, you can say, well, it's because it's cold. Well, they would fly even if they didn't know it was going to be cold because it's part of their DNA. The DNA sets the pattern. Uh, why do salmon uh, travel uh, hundreds of miles to return to the stream and the location on a stream in which they were born it, it, you can say, well, that's because that's what their mama and daddy Simon taught them to do. Well, no, they've never done it before, and so it's the DNA. The DNA sets the pattern. Um, a, a bear hibernates in the winter uh, and then uh, rises up in the spring to feed. Why? Well, it's because mama bear and daddy bear taught baby bear to do it. no. No, it's it's part of the DNA code. Their DNA sets the pattern for how they behave. Okay, Jesus has set a pattern. He's given us a DNA that establishes the pattern of how we are to live. And we described and defined it as live the mission. That is how we're describing uh, this aspect of the the pattern that Jesus has set for us. He's given us his DNA as... Christians. That's what we call ourselves, right? We call ourselves Christians. That means that, that we've taken on the DNA coding of Jesus Christ. We've taken on his characteristics, his, his passions, his purposes. He's poured his spirit within us so that we could live in the way according to his will. And so, so he's given us his DNA so that, and same thing's true for the church. Uh, every church uh, ruled by Jesus Christ has this DNA of Jesus in her that leads to a pattern of life. And that pattern of life is living the mission. Um, To say it another way, we as the church, we give ourselves to live the mission intentionally. And living the mission is simply fulfilling the mission that Jesus has mapped out for us. And, and there's a pattern. And you see the pattern. If you study scripture and you study, uh, if you st- in, in a few weeks we're going to start a series on the Old Testament. Uh, stories in the Old Testament. It's going to take um, lots of weeks. Maybe the longest sermon series I've preached since I've been here. It's going to be a lot of fun for me. Um, but, but we're doing that in a few weeks. But but as you look at, these, at, at, at the history of, of God's rescue plan, you see the pattern. Uh, as you look in the New Testament, you see this pattern. It's a pattern that Jesus uh, lays out for us. And so we're going to begin with the ministry of Jesus. But, but as we look at this pattern, uh, we're going to look uh, through, not through the life of Jesus, although he's the center, we're going to look through the life of a guy named Ananias. You know the story of Ananias, not Ananias and... Acts chapter 5, but Ananias in Acts chapter 9. Ananias uh, was a follower of Jesus in Damascus, and he had heard of a guy named Saul. Saul, who we later know as Paul, um, Saul was um, a faithful um, uh, Pharisee, and and, and he was a guy who had studied the law under a guy named Gamaliel, and Saul was uh, an ardent follower of the law. And when he heard these people following in the name of Jesus or uh, following hard after Jesus and, and heard about all that commotion was taking place in Jerusalem, Saul took up arms and he was standing there alongside the people who stoned a deacon in the church there in Jerusalem named Stephen. And, and he was holding the coats of those who were stoning Stephen. Saul uh, then made it his mission to persecute, to, to put down, to put in prison anybody who followed Jesus on the way. And and so uh, Paul, Saul, gets these uh, warrants of arrest, and he puts them in his pocket, and he leaves Jerusalem, and he's on his way to Damascus, when all of a sudden, this is uh, Acts 9, verses 1 through 9, when all of a sudden uh, a big light from heaven blinds him, and Jesus begins to speak, and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And in that encounter between Saul and Jesus, Saul's life is changed forever. He meets uh, the glorious King of glory, Jesus Christ, and, and he becomes a follower of Jesus. Um, now, he's blind, and he doesn't know what to do next. And so we pick up the story, Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 10. Verse uh, 10. The scripture reads, now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. That's the person we're going to look at today. Uh, And to Ananias, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and Ananias said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to Ananias, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he's praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in And putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Ananias answered and said, Lord, uh, here's the the disciple. He's saying, Lord, I've heard uh, from many about this guy. How much harm he has caused uh, your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Uh, But the Lord said to him, go. For Saul is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul. I love that. Brother Saul. This is the guy that was the avowed enemy of everyone who was following Jesus And yet, Ananias sees him no longer as an enemy, but as a brother, part of the family. That's what God's grace does. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from Saul's eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. And when he received food and he was strengthened, then Saul spent days, some days, with the disciples at Damascus. As we look at this, we're looking at this pattern. And what does this story have to do with the pattern that Jesus has set for our church to follow? Well, you have to go back to the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. In Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, those two verses, Mark 1, 14 and 15, here's what Mark writes. Mark writes, he says, and Jesus... Uh, came uh, throughout uh, Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And he said, repent and believe on the gospel. So this is a description of what Jesus was doing as he began his ministry that lasted three and a half years. He was going throughout Galilee and then all of Judea, and, and parts of Samaria, and Jerusalem, and, and, and he, Capernaum. He's going throughout all of these regions, and he's preaching the gospel. And, and, and as he's preaching the gospel, he says to the people, repent and believe on the gospel. Now, what does that mean? Well, Jesus was, was saying, all right, look. You've been trying to live life your way, and I'm telling you here today, I've got good news. The good news is that God has invaded this world uh, with his amazing love. He has taken the power of his love, uh, and he's brought it to you uh, through the person of Jesus. And And Jesus said, I'm offering you this amazing love that that comes from God, and it's this love that can change your life. It's this love that can saturate your soul with nourishment and peace and hope, forgiveness of sin, uh, I mean, an absolute transformation. That's what this love can do. And it brings about a new way of living and a, 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 a new path to walk. And, and, and so Jesus is going around and said, this is the offer. You can have a love that will satisfy you completely. This is what God offers you. But you've got to repent. You've got to turn away from sin and self. You've got to turn away from all those other things that you've been looking to to, to satisfy your life. You've got to turn away from those things. And you need to believe on this good news. You need to believe that Jesus is is the one whom the Bible says he is, that he is the one who left heaven's throne, was born in a manger in a stable, who lived his life perfectly, who died for sinners on a cross in your place for your sin so that you might be wrapped up in God's forgiving love and planted on a new path that leads to a new life and new hope so that you might receive this DNA that is uh, filled with uh, delight, not despair, Joy instead of sorrow. Um, Life instead of death. Light instead of darkness. This is what he offers, okay? And so that's how Jesus went about. He went about preaching the good news of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. And somewhere along that way, Ananias, Acts 9, Ananias hears it. Tradition tells us, Hippolytus is a, a guy who wrote, he's a church guy, Uh, who wrote in the 3rd century A.D. And he wrote and he said there were guys who were followers of Jesus during his earthly ministry and uh, there were 70 of them and Ananias of Damascus, Acts 9, Ananias of Damascus is one of these guys. We see these 70 in Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus gets around him these 70 guys, these 70 disciples, and he sends them out to do what? to preach the gospel, to share the gospel. And so, so here we have this pattern that continues to take shape. Ananias hears the gospel, okay? He hears Jesus sharing, here's the love of God offered to you to change your life. Ananias hears it and he says, that's what I want. And so he repents and he believes and he's Rescued. And he's rescued in such a way that he turns around and he begins to share that good news with others. As Ananias received the gospel, he shares the gospel. And that's that's the pattern for us as a church. As we receive the gospel, we must share the gospel. Can I I ask you why you wouldn't share? I mean, if, if you're a parent and you have a baby that's born you share the good news. If it's, if it's something that's good news, you wanna share. If, if, if you, uh, uh, just uh, uh, yesterday, my uh, family, um, we went to a wedding shower for uh, my daughter who's getting married and they sent out invitations and they invited people to this wedding shower to celebrate the good news that my daughter is getting married to a wonderful young man named Will, and and everybody's excited, and they come, and they celebrate, and they send out invitations. Why? Because if it's good news, you want to share it. There are people who are graduating from high school. There are people who graduated from college, people graduating from seminary. Our very own Brent Wilson just this past week received, got graduated with his Master's of Divinity degree from Southern Seminary, and and so we we have all these graduates, and, and there are invitations that go out. And, and, and people post stuff on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, pictures of, of those weird-looking hats and neat little robes and announcements, graduates, graduates, graduates. Why do we talk about that? Because it's good news. You never believed it was going to happen. They finally got out. Good news. That's the way my parents felt when I was going through college. Uh, It's good news When you have good news You share good news Don't you? There'll be a day When one of my four daughters Is going to have a grandbaby It'll probably be a girl When that grandbaby is born, make no mistake, I am going to put a sandwich board sign with blown up picture of that grandbaby and I'm going to be walking through the halls of this church and up and down and around. I'm going to be walking up the street. I'm going to tell it, I've got a grandbaby. I'm going to be acting like a lot of y'all already do act, grandparents. You want to know why? If it's good news, you want to share it. We have the greatest news in the world. The, the absolute greatest news in the world that I don't have to be separated from God by my sin any longer. I, I don't have to live in the despair of trying to measure up and be good enough. I, I don't have to live under the shame and the pain and the weight and the shackles of my sin any longer. I, I've, I can be rescued. I have been rescued. I've been changed. I've been transformed. Who I once was is no longer who I am. I have new life. Good news. So why don't we share that? Ed Stetzer is a, a friend, uh, all-around good guy. He's uh, dean of the school of, of uh, 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 Billy Graham School and, and, uh, at Wheaton College in Chicago. And, and uh, Ed shared this statistic. Now, I never share statistics. You all know this. If you've been with me, I don't share statistics. So when I do share a statistic, it's probably significant. So this is a statistic, all right. He writes seventy nine percent of unchurched people said that they would be willing to engage in a faith conversation if a Christian friend shared. That, that's that's almost eight out of ten of your friends. My children say, I don't have 10 friends. But if I did have 10 friends, that'd be almost eight out of 10 of my friends. And they'd be willing for me to have a conversation just to talk to them. To tell them the good news that I've experienced. When I share, I don't say, you know, turn or burn or anything like that. I'm telling them, this is my experience. This is what has changed my life. I want you to know that I believe that it will change your life too. But here's the information. I'm putting it out there to you. You're my friend. I need to tell you this. Eight of ten of your friends are happy for you to talk about that. They're not going to curse you. They're not going to walk away. They're not going to stop being your friend. They're ready to be engaged in that conversation. So why don't we share? See, here's the other statistic that frightened me. If, If it's eight out of ten, almost eight out of ten of of, of my friends who don't know Christ, who are far from God, they're willing for me to share with them. Eight, almost 8 out of 10. Then, the rest of the statistic. But only 39% of Christ followers have shared the gospel in the last six months. Almost 4 out of 10. Almost 4 out of 10 believers in this room today Haven't shared the gospel in the last six months. What kind of good news do you believe that you possess? Right? Why aren't we sharing? We must. Friends, we must. This is the pattern. Jesus came preaching the good news, Uh, Ananias received the good news, then he went out sharing the good news. You have. Heard the good news, you've received the good news. Now you must go out, share the good news. This is the pattern. This is the pattern we must follow. We share the gospel. Secondly, well, we, we see this pattern take shape as it continues on. You look you look at Jesus again. Now, now remember the pattern is 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 the the something that Jesus has set for us to follow. So we share the gospel because that's what people who follow Jesus do. If you're a wrestler, you wrestle. If you're a fisherman, you fish. If you're a hunter, you hunt. Uh, if you're a husband, you take out the trash. These are just saying what you're supposed to do. That's, this is simple. This is not hard. This, this is who we are. So, so this, is, this is simple stuff, right? And, and if you are a Christian, you're supposed to share the gospel just that simple. Will you make a commitment to share the gospel with somebody this week? That, that, that's what we're supposed to do. Will you make a commitment to turn around that almost 4 out of 10 Christ followers? Make that not true of 1st Norfolk. Will, will you be the one who says, I know someone who is far from God. I'm counting on them being one of the 8 of 10 who are ready to hear my conversation And hear me share the good news? My goodness, if your basketball team wins tonight, you're going to be talking about it at work tomorrow. Don't watch the game. Just read and get ready and tell somebody about Jesus tomorrow. Or watch the game, be excited about it, and say, boy, LeBron, he's really good. But I know somebody better. His name is Jesus. Can I talk to you about him? That's pretty good. Oh, Steph Steph Curry, man, he is magical. But I know someone who can really change your life. His name is Jesus. Do you mind me talking to him? See what I'm saying? I mean, these are your friends. They're not going to punch you in the nose. Okay, they might, but it'd be okay. Y'all are friends. Share the gospel. So Jesus shares the gospel. Ananias receives the gospel. Ananias shares the gospel. But Jesus didn't just share the gospel and leave Ananias to, 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 to wander around. He said, all right, Ananias, I want you to be part of this circle that I have. This, uh, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to talk with you. I'm going to spend time with you. And for three and a half years, Jesus uh, ministered, mentored, taught, trained uh, Ananias. So that Ananias, by the time Jesus is killed on a cross and raised from the dead... Ananias is ready to go, Uh, he's ready to to fulfill the command. And and after Christ's death and resurrection, just before he ascends to the right hand of the Father, here's the marching orders Jesus gives. He says, all authority, Jesus is talking, he's about to go to heaven, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, as you go, he's talking to his followers, as you go, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've taught you, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus discipled Ananias, and now Ananias is called to disciple Saul to come alongside Saul and uh, equip him and encourage him and nurture him and nourish him and, and, and correct him and, and, and all these things that, that happen in discipleship to share life together with him. And Ananias hears that call and he, and then he gets his, his group of disciples together and they all embrace Saul as family. They say, yeah, we're going to, Help Saul become, grow as a follower of Jesus. Now, here's the commitment we're making as a church. See, as followers of Christ, part of our DNA, okay, part of our our DNA is to make disciples. We live the mission when we make disciples. Now, making disciples is you and me as followers of Christ growing. And so today, will you make a commitment to grow as a follower of Christ? Not say where you are. None of us have arrived. None of us have achieved perfection that's out of heaven. We, we got some growing to do. Will you grow as a follower of Christ? And will you commit to come along somebody else who is a new believer and help them grow? I'm so thankful for uh, Eddie and others who are baptized in our church, and that's part of. Of, of growing them, we we baptize them as as followers of Christ—a declaration that they know Jesus and he's changed their life. And and we're so excited for Eddie and his journey. I'm also excited for people like Mr. Mike and Miss Joyce who helped Eddie go through a new Christians class and walk through that journey with him and open God's Word and 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 show him and share with him what that means. I'm, I'm excited for. For those who come alongside. And by the way, can I talk to you just for a second and quickly. If I could just talk to you about Vacation Bible School for a second. Vacation Bible School. Yes, Vacation Bible School is not just a program that we put on. It is, it is the pattern that we follow because the DNA that we have. Vacation Bible School is where we get to mobilize Together as the church, and in one week, invest ourselves in making disciples and sharing the gospel, coming alongside these, children, these, these young children and showing them who Jesus is if they don't know Him. But if they do know Him, helping them grow as followers of Christ. We, we commit ourselves to make disciples. And, and friends, uh, Vacation Bible School isn't an afterthought, it is the thought that we have as a church and as a staff. Uh, from now until that day happens, and and we are going to do vacation Bible school, but we need you to be a part of that journey. We need you to come alongside these young people as as they are as they are asking questions. We need you to commit yourself for those five days we 're doing it in the morning time at first Norfolk on Kentsville, in the evening time at first Norfolk on Balvo. There is no reason why you can 't be a part of leading a group in vacation Bible school. The children They're they're registering. They're signing up. We need leaders. We need 30 leaders in in, uh, children, and we need 20 leaders uh, in preschool. We need you to be a part of this journey. This is what the DNA, the pattern that that our DNA has set. You might say, well, Eric, I've got this and I've got that. I know we all have reasons. We all have reasons why we can't do Vacation Bible School, why we can't lead in Vacation Bible School. I don't know if you know this, but my daughter's getting married the Saturday before Vacation Bible School starts. I have three brothers. Edie has uh, uh, two living uh, uh, siblings. All people on her side of the family, all the people on my side of the family, guess what? They're here. That week of Vacation Bible School, my dad got a cabin for uh, all my brothers and uh, and their uh, families. I mean, we're talking uh, 20 people, more, all together. They have a bunch of kids. we a prolific bunch in the Thomas clan. we we got kids all. They're all here. They're all at the beach the week of vacation Bible school. Everybody's going to be having a great time. And I'm going to be having a better time. I'm not going to be at the beach house. I'm going to be right here doing vacation Bible school. First Norfolk on Kempsville in the morning, First Norfolk on Volvo in the evening, St. Mary's in the middle of the day. We've got opportunities like you not and you need to be a part of it. Oh, preacher, I'm too old, or preacher, I'm too young, or preacher, I'm not smart. Come on. Now's the time for you to invest. Say, I'm too old. Look, this may be, I, I mean, you think you're too old to do this? Well, finish strong. Finish strong. You think you're too young to do this? Start the journey. Life is hard. Make tough choices. Let's make some disciples. Will you commit to grow as a follower of Christ? Help someone else grow as a follower of Christ. Will you? Commit to make disciples. So here's the pattern: Jesus preaches the shares the gospel. Ananias receives the gospel. Ananias shares the gospel. Uh, Jesus disciples Ananias. Ananias then in turn disciples Saul, which leads to the third aspect. And and what this looks like is Jesus spending time in groups. And and Jesus did spend. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus uh, prepared his. Uh, disciples for a grand explosive movement because he invested himself in groups there was a group of three plus Jesus this group of three plus Jesus Peter James and John uh, and Jesus they were a group a small group that Jesus spent time with Um, he poured his life into them he he shared with them more intimate things than probably shared with the others uh, Jesus was, was, was preparing them. Peter, James, and John then became, after Christ's re- resurrection and ascension, Peter preached the first sermon. He preached it at Pentecost, and because he had been prepared in that group by Jesus, when he preached, this ignorant fisherman from, uh, from, Na- from Galilee, he, when he preached, 3,000-plus people came to faith in Jesus Christ. He was prepared, equipped in that small group by Jesus, so that multiplication began to happen. John, uh, John, the beloved disciple, he he spent his life uh, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ later, became uh, a, a, a pastor in Ephesus, and then was later exiled on the island of Crete. And, and, and he was a prolific writer, writing the Gospel of John, three letters in the New Testament, as well as the book of Revelation. And John's leader in the church, James, who is John's brother, one of the three. James was the first martyr of the church. He was killed in Jerusalem in the early history of the church. All of these individuals were prepared and equipped by Jesus. and then Not just three plus Jesus, but there was the 12 plus Jesus. And again, Jesus spent time teaching them and talking to them and helping them and pouring his life into them so that they, in turn, might multiply. And not only was there the 12 plus Jesus, but there was also the 70 plus Jesus. And Ananias was part of the 70 plus Jesus. He was part of that group. And and, and he learned from Jesus. And, and then he learned it so well that, that, that he left. He saw Jesus in groups. And so when he went to, uh, to Damascus, he got his group together. It was a group of disciples in Damascus, probably those that he had led to faith in Christ himself. And he created this small group that he would then equip and encourage. And then comes Saul, and Saul comes along, and, and, and they hear that this Saul is the one who will help multiply the gospel efforts, not only in, in, in Damascus, but and not only in northern Galilee, not only, only in Judea, not only among the Jewish people, but also among the Gentile people and among the kings. Of Asia Minor. So so here is Saul, and he's part of this small group in Damascus, and he's equipped and encouraged, and then he goes to preach and pretty soon this pattern continues where uh, Saul who we know as Paul he begins to join forces with a guy named Barnabas and then they get around themselves a small group and John Mark is part of that small group and 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 then then Paul and Barnabas they create their own small groups they multiply again and 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 Paul begins a small group and he has Silas and he has He has uh, Timothy and he has Titus and others. and, And they begin to multiply these groups and multiply these groups and multiply these groups until pretty soon the people in Asia Minor said, this Jesus has turned our world upside down. Now how can that happen today? Same way. I mean the exact same way. It's... It's multiplying through groups. It's where you and I get in a small group, not this, we get in a small group, not with hundreds, but with five or six, and, and we get together and we share life together and we open God's word together, not just so that we can feel good about each other, but so that we can develop a soul so that we can join our hearts and hands together to help someone who is a new believer come part of, become part of our group or someone who is yet to be a believer become part of our group. We lead them to faith in Christ. We equip them. We nourish them with the Bible. We, we uh, strengthen them so that they are equipped to go lead a group or to go start a group. It's that multiplication. Every person in our church should be part of a group, should be leading a group, or should be starting a new group. That's what we believe. Every person in our church should be part of a life group. Should be leading a life group. Should be starting a new life group. And some of you are here today in you know that you should be starting a new group, but you haven't started a new group, and today's the day for you to commit to start a new group. Some of you, you're here today, and you need to be leading a group, and you haven't been leading a group, but you know that's what God wants you to do, and today's the day for you to commit to lead a group. Some of you are just not part of a group because you like being an anonymous person, or you're introverted, or you're just whatever, um, and and I understand that. I, y'all may think I'm an extrovert. I'm not. I'm an introvert. I'd rather be by myself than with a 1,000 people. Um, and, and that's, that's the personality type that I have but I'm part of a group and, and that is my group and I open my heart up to them and they open their heart up to me and, and we have a wonderful time of fellowship um, and growth and maturity uh, but, but we, we, we need to be part of a group so my challenge to you today is if you're not part of a group for you to leave this room You go into the grand lobby and you go to guest services and you say, how can I be part of a life group? Will you become part of a life group? Will you commit yourself to lead a life group or will you start a new group? One of the examples that I wanted to share, and this is how we'll end, but I wanted to share this. Uh, Kurt Breland, our minister of mission, sent this to me and I I wanted to share it because it shows how this pattern is supposed to take shape, Okay. This is the pattern that Jesus gives us. Ananias lived it out, and we must as well. So uh, there were two girls from China who came uh, to Virginia Beach to work for the summer on, on a work visa. And uh, at, while they're here, I don't know if you know this, but, but we regularly do uh, a lunch or a dinner for a, a lunch for international students. And we do that regularly, and when we have big events, you'll see a group of international students here. We love international students, and we, that is a ministry that we have been doing for several years now. It's a very exciting to see lives change. Well, these two girls from China came, uh, Crystal and Rebecca, they came to that luncheon, and having come to the luncheon, they heard the good news. They repented, and they believed on Jesus they were saved. They were rescued. And, and their life was changed forever. And, and so not only did we share the gospel with them, but then we began the process of making disciples. And we shared with them some of the things that, that, that these are the things, that, that it, what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And, and one of those things was baptism, like Eddie did today. It's, it's being baptized publicly to declare to, to, uh, to uh, whoever, I am a follower of Jesus. And some of you all need to be baptized as believers uh, but, but so uh, w- uh, they shared with Crystal and Rebecca about believers' baptism and, and so Crystal and Rebecca as the summer's coming to a close and they have to go back to China they go to the beach where we do beach baptism and they walk down in the water and they declare in front of 100 plus people at First Norfolk that they are followers of Jesus Christ and they're baptized uh, there in the ocean what a beautiful day that was how exciting that was but it goes on they they have to return home so they go back to China where they're in university and as they go back to uh, China you know we sit here and we talk about this it, we're worried because they're going back to hard places and there are people in hard places when it comes to being a follower of Jesus and and so they're going back to hard places they don't have friends that are followers of Christ but but what do they do they go back and because uh, uh, a team for a small group from First Norfolk has poured into them and helped them grow in their faith and continues to support them through social media strategy of Facebook and such. Crystal and Rebecca, they don't back up when they go to university they 're sharing the gospel with their friends. and they're sharing the gospel that they've received and they 've been made disciples, so they 're sharing the gospel and then they start a Christian fellowship. A Christian fellowship, it's in China. This isn't isn't at ODU. This is in China. They start a Christian fellowship, and and our small group here at First Nova continues to support the 20 or 30 folks that are in that Christian fellowship now and, and, and go through Bible studies with them and encourage them. But we don't have to wait to get to China to do that. We've got to do it here and now. In the seven cities of Hampton Roads, we've got to do it here and now. One of the last things I'll say. When you go against your DNA and the pattern that your DNA has set, it causes damage. If a bird doesn't go south for the winter... Even though their DNA has set that pattern and they know, hey, look, I need to fly faster and get south for the winter. If I don't, what happens? If the bird doesn't go, fly so, go, go south for the winter, what happens to the bird? Yeah, it freezes. You know, when a church does not follow or when a church fights against the pattern that the DNA of Jesus has set for us, it can lead to great damage for us. But when we do follow it, when we do share the gospel, make disciples, and multiply through life groups, when we do follow it, that's when we experience vitality and life. So, friends, I want to encourage you today. Pursue the path that Jesus has marked. And give yourself to live the mission. Share the gospel with somebody far from God this week. Make disciples. Grow as a follower of Christ and help somebody else grow. Get in a group. Lead a group. Start a new group. And if you're not leading in Vacation Bible School, sign up today. It's no small thing. Lives will be changed for eternity. We give ourselves to live the mission intentionally. That's who we are. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your grace and the goodness that you've given us. And I pray that you would walk with us to encourage us and strengthen us to follow the path and walk in the pattern that you have set through Jesus Christ. I pray that you would today uh, lay flame, lay a spark to our hearts that would burst into a flame Uh, that would fuel our passion of pursuing your mission for your glory's sake. Now be glorified as we live for you this week. I pray for conversations this week as our family of faith determines to share the gospel with those who are far from God. I pray that you'd be with each one of those conversations. Give courage to your people on mission for you. Now, be glorified as we go our way throughout this day, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.